1: Of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy, there is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and hopshead. Cheers!
0: Hey, what's up, folks? I hope everything's good and dandy and fine in your neck of the woods. I uh, don't have too much to plug at the top of this episode, other than to tell you that Ian and I recorded an additional, I don't know, 30 minutes or so maybe more if my memory serves correctly, over on Patreon. So if you like what you're hearing, if you enjoy the show, and you've been looking for a way to support and get some extra audio content, weekly, I'm putting out extra audio content over on Patreon. It's just five bucks a month. And for that, you will get extra interviews, you'll get some demos. I just did a a State of the Union update here a few weeks ago that was more like a kind of telling people what's going on, giving a little bit more insight into the things that I've been up to that I don't really talk about in great detail because I can't all the time. But that was kind of interesting. People really seemed to enjoy that, which was surprising because it was like this, just me monologuing. But uh, that's not normal. Usually it's extended interviews. I'm going to be getting Justin Porter in probably this Friday as i record this right now. So yeah, lots of stuff coming to the patrons of this show and that literally helps keep food on the table and the lights on around here these days. Your guys support means the world, seriously. But i know not everyone is in a position where that makes sense for them and i totally get it. But simply doing what you're doing right now and listening to this podcast actually helps too. That's uh that's numbers. That's what we need as a podcast to continue to grow, continue to attract new listeners and all that stuff. So if all you can do is share this with a friend, tell somebody about it. If you get anything out of this podcast at all, just share it with your friends, family, coworkers, anybody you think might be interested. There's actually a surprising number of non-guitar playing people that listen to this podcast, I'm coming to find out. So I guess the ramblings are doing something for someone somewhere. So yeah, Without further ado, I will shut up and we'll get into this episode with Mr. Ian Pritchard of Collector Emitter. All right. Later. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Weiland, and with me today, I have Ian Pritchard of the YouTube channel, Collector Emitter. What's going on, man? Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. This is cool when I've actually, you know, I prefer to always do these in person, but that rarely gets to happen. But it is is—it right. is actually nice when I have met the person in person several times. That makes yeah. it a little and less we- uh, disjointed.
1: Right. We've hung out and know what each other are like. We're not total strangers. Yes. Yes, yes.
0: But, you know, as much as that is true, I don't actually know that much about you. I don't know where you came from. I don't know your story. I don't know any of that stuff. And so that actually makes for good podcasting. So we should just get right Right. into the the nuts and bolts. What's your musical backstory? How did you get started doing the demos and things that you do? When did you start playing guitar? All that stuff. Start from the beginning. Um,
1: From the very beginning, I guess uh, my parents were pretty musical. They, um, not like professionally, but they were both musicians. And so I just grew up around music. And at some point in like middle school, I decided to learn to play guitar because I was super obsessed with music. And then, um, I realized that's the only thing I cared about, and so I went to college for music, and I thought I wanted to be a recording engineer and make albums, and then I um, graduated college and learned that I hate that because um, it's not as fun when you have to listen to somebody else say, here's what. I want this to be and you say well here's my idea and they say well it's my vision and i don't like that and so i couldn't really gel with that so i was kind of stuck in you know what do i do now Um, and i was in a band at the time so i kind of focused my full attention on this band and we were getting a little bit bigger and touring more and then we decided to stop playing together And my life was like full reset. I don't like recording. I'm not in a band anymore. What do I do? And that's what led me to uh, doing demos. What was the first guitar you got? Um, The first guitar I got was a, a Squire. I think it was the Affinity Strat. I got it for like 90 bucks with a cheap little amp at a, um, used music store. Um, actually funny story about that guitar is I bought it with money from, um, that I made from being an extra in the M night Shyamalan movie, lady in the water. What are you serious? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm dead serious. That's funny. Um, that is so funny because
0: <laughs> the reason it's a little funnier to me than maybe normal is like, that is a movie that my, what my now wife and I went and saw and we were like the only one oh, really? yeah, out of a, the group of our friend. We weren't quite dating at the time. It was like that early stage yeah. of like, I think I like you sort of. <laughs> uh, and we were both like, fans of M Night Shyamalan and uh like we were the only ones who out of our group of friends who enjoyed that movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was very polarizing <laughs> and I had never seen an M Night Shyamalan movie before and it just like happened to be filming in the Philadelphia area which is where I grew up and so I, I just kind of did it and I was like, "Oh, this is a pretty good movie." And then I watched his other movies, I was like, oh, I get why people hate this. Right.
0: It's not anything like it. I actually grew <laughs> right. to like it less, which is weird. Like I liked it when it yeah. first came out. Maybe it was just because I like to be contrarian. I was like, no, that was a fun movie. <laughs> right. Come on, guys. That was a fun movie. <laughs> right. And then like as I, I like really thought about it, I was like, I don't actually think I liked that as much as I thought I did. So it's kind of it's a yeah, very strange like movie. A-
1: it really is. It's like you enjoy it the first time you see it. And then when you think about it, like, wait, that doesn't really make sense. Or like that part was weird. So I totally get why people don't like it. I think I've only seen it once and then I couldn't watch it again just because I was in it and I was a child. And, oh, so weird. <laughs> um, like I was in middle school and like, like I'd love to watch the movie again to like remember – like I was on that set and stuff it was like kind of magical as like a 13 year old but I can't look at what 13 year old me looks like and like cuz I can see exactly where I am I don't think anybody else can but I know like exactly how to see myself where are you tell people um so actually if you the easiest way to see me is actually in the trailer um perfect we can find that pretty easily it, yeah so you don't have to actually sit through the movie. Um, there's a scene, that, I think it's the first scene in the trailer. Um, like the movie centered around this pool in an apartment complex. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning of a trailer, like there's a bunch of people jumping into the pool. Yeah. And so the camera's focused on somebody else jumping in. But then you see like right dead center, me pop up out of the water and like wipe water off my face. And I'm just like a tiny, pale, long-haired uh, kid.
0: That is awesome. So that's that's hilarious. I've I've seen you before we ever met, and I didn't even know it. <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: that is crazy. So that's
1: my mysterious past, which then weirdly funded my uh, my like getting into music because then I could afford to get a guitar.
0: It's funny, like, this is a little bit less of a direct connection, obviously, but it's just funny doing this podcast how things have, like, it's like I've crossed path, I've, like, re-crossed paths. Well, I'm not saying that right. Re-crossed paths with people before. Uh, yeah. The most, like, notable one was, like, uh, Joey Bradford, who plays his guitars for The Used now. He was on a few episodes back, and he's like, oh, yeah, I did, I did merch for Thrice for, like, a long time and you like named the years and I was like I didn't know you I guarantee you I bought a t-shirt from you at some point like <laughs> right like there's no way right. that I didn't and so it's just a strange just a weird the people that you meet and you think you're never gonna meet again and next next thing you know you're podcasting with them it's very odd it's very weird yeah
1: I mean I think like with how big the world actually is the music community and then even smaller the gear community is so tiny that like you've crossed paths with everybody
0: oh totally it's weird because you don't you don't uh think about it as a consumer like a general consumer like when you first start getting into guitar you go into guitar center and it's this huge thing and there's all these people and you think about rock stars and music and everything and then once you get you don't even have to go that deep you just start scratching the surface and it's like oh there's just there's only like three guys that work at that company you know there's only one person right. that works at that company you know it's some of the bigger ones even it's like really that's that's all i mean like fender and gibson factories are kind of another yeah. another thing those are huge but everybody else that's under that echelon it's like it's all much smaller than what what it The average person thinks that it is. It's really weird.
1: Right. And then everybody moves from one company to the other company. And like everybody is just crossing paths in a way that like you wouldn't think because most other industries are so um, like guarded. But here it's everybody just because it's music. You know, even if you work at Fender, you might play a Fender guitar and a Fender amp and then put. Some other companies pedal in front of it and then, you know, 10 years later, now you work at that other company. Mm-hmm. Or it's, it's just really odd. Yeah. It's an it's a, it's a interesting industry
0: and it's also interesting how things are so, they're so connected. Like once I started talking to some of these managers to help book artists and stuff on the show. They have, like, they, right. they have, like, a lot of, there's just not that many people doing this. Like, everybody knows each <laughs> other by, like, six degrees of separation and no more, or six degrees of Kevin yeah. Bacon, or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> it's just there. It's it's crazy. Very, very crazy. Right. So, the demos. Let's get into the demos a little yeah. bit. So you kind of landed on this particular, I don't know what you would call it. I kind of have referred to it to other people before as like kind of like a dreamscape style of demo. Yeah. What led you to doing that?
1: It's funny. A lot of people say like they like the videos for how like dreamy or mesmerizing or relaxing that green screen can be. And really, I did it because I had an ugly desk and I was just using (laughs) my phone to film. And so I was like, well, how can I make these look cool? And so I thought I'd just lean in to like, you're like barely even watching what I'm filming. And so I got all these... um, like free domain, like creative commons license backgrounds that I put in the videos. And like, that's what people love. I mean, it's not the only thing, but people love that about the videos. And I did it by accident. And I, after a while kind of didn't like it. And then I've made my way back around and I really like it because now I get creative with trying to layer a couple on top of each other, um, and like try to create new things because, there's only so many free domain backgrounds out there.
0: Yeah. And I, I didn't know it because I, I wasn't paying as much attention at the time, but like I've done some videos for some other people that aren't like, aren't on tone mob stuff. They're just independent content for people. And so I'm always trying to make it not look like something that I do because I, I want it to be for that brand or whatever. And And so I kind of have taken some inspiration from some of that where I'll make, I try to, I usually get really twisted and scary with it um, (laughs) because that's just my nature and it fits with some of those (laughs) brands, brands. But like, I like, like it's weird how much with like creative, just like thinking outside the box and like taking a video of a light bulb in the night, you can get really, really creepy with that. That doesn't sound like it should be right. that odd and, or offset or unsettling, but
1: I I can do it. <laughs> and uh I mean, it's weird. It's so easy to change the mood of what you're watching or listening to by like the context you put it in. So like if you're hearing like weird fuzz and it's just a light bulb, it starts to feel creepy or if you're seeing like this nice like landscape that's just like slowly panning, and you hear this like really beautiful reverb, you're like, oh, this is relaxing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like all this implication of everything working together um, that I never thought about. I like put zero thought into at the beginning. It was just, oh, I'll grab a background that looks cool and you can see the text on. And now I think, well, you know, this phaser, what kind of mood does it give me? You know, what kind of background fits that? And I spend a little bit too much time on it. it
0: I don't know. I think that's what makes it cool. You know, it's been, there's, there's right. plenty of people doing the whole, you know, you know, sitting in the left hand of the screen and the pedals in the right hand of the screen. And I'm not like talking bad about it. I'm just saying there's people who do a better job yeah. at that than, than I would. I don't think that's ever going to be my forte. I'm like, right. Andy already mastered that. Like, we're not going to do it better than he does, yeah. you know? So we have to find our own ways to try to get creative with this stuff. And I'm having a, a I've kind of settled into a format that I like, but I kind of miss going back and doing the more artsy stuff. I don't know. I haven't s- totally settled in on this new like this new format I'm doing i'm I'm not sure about it yet. We'll see how people take to it. It's like a blend of the two, I think um, right.
1: I mean, it's it's like the the creative thing where you get restless and you don't want to do what you're currently doing. you want to do the other thing that could be more fun. and I mean, it happens to me all the time, and I've been experimenting with like um just videos on my desk not demos just me like jamming with a pedal and a synth or something like that and filming them differently no green screen and i feel like they get less clicks because people like the green screen and they like the thing that i'm you know is recognizable as my thing i just get restless cuz i'm a creative and i want to do all kinds of things
0: it's hard to, I mean, maybe you can speak to this better than I. You've been doing the demos a lot longer. Is it hard to balance, like, what you want to do creatively versus what you know the algorithm is going to pick up or versus what people want out of you? Because at the end of the day, you are, your job is to show off what the pedal sounds like in a as right. interesting and captivating way as you can. And... I I have I have a hard time with it. Like the my favorite video I ever did is also my least watched. So it's like Yeah. it's very right. very weird. I don't know how to handle that very well.
1: Yeah, it's it's a really weird thing where um I wouldn't even care about the views if um it wasn't like less views meant this company that sent me the pedal now got less out of it. Exactly. And so sometimes I I start thinking about that and it's like, well, should I like, you know, use this background which might get more clicks or whatever, but really I think about that more on Instagram where it's like, should I like is Instagram going to punish me for posting too many videos in a row or too many pictures in a row because that i think is how people then go to the video mm-hmm. where like on youtube i know like some people talk to me like people who aren't uh, in the gear world when they find out i have a youtube channel they're like oh like you do all the tricks to get into the algorithm where like you have to make it 15 minutes long and like use your face and it's like no no i, I don't do any of that because that would be really weird And then the people who see it in Trending would click on it and say, like, what is this video that's just a pedal making noise? Like, I don't get this. So I kind of just let people find the videos by searching or like getting the direct link from uh, Instagram or the company's website or whatever it is. So I at least let that portion of the algorithm out of my brain but i still think about it with instagram
0: yeah with instagram for me at as far as i can tell it's it's really about volume and you know post quality is important but it's also like yeah you know some people are worried about getting um like oversaturating their followers with too many posts and that that yeah. used to be a valid concern back when it was you know um chronological that makes sense But now that it's not, that's the thing is it's not everybody's going to see your posts anyway. And so those, those that do the, the ones that will see all your posts because they interact with you so much, they're the ones that want to see your posts because they interact with you so much.
1: So I, yeah, they want to see it more. Yeah. It's, it's not as much of a concern. I don't think anymore. Right. I've been thinking about that recently, like the past week or so, because, um, after Nam, I've just had so many new pedals to demo, and I didn't want my schedule to be like I'm booked up until May because new things are always coming out. And so I've been doing like two videos a week, and then I've been thinking like, oh, are these people like gonna stop watching because there's two videos this week and they only wanted to watch one video. And then um, I realized like, no. The people who are consistently watching the videos just for the videos, not for they're interested in that pedal. They're the people who are going to watch it anyway. Mm -hmm. They want two videos, they want three videos. Like, so it, I try to, like, I think it's just like not wanting to overload people, like not wanting to overstay my welcome. And really, you have to think the people want to see this stuff. That's why they watch it. And just, like, get that out of my mind.
0: It's, it's such a weird thing to, like, these platforms, we've kind of become a slave to them as creators in a really weird way, which I don't think any of us ever saw coming when we started doing some yeah. of this stuff. And it's just because that's where they are, you know? And I understand why the platforms do what they're doing. I'm not even trying to blame them for it. Like, their job is to keep people engaged on the platform. So that they watch more videos and can show them more ads and make money. That's the whole right. entire thing. I get it. I understand why the algorithms are tuned the way they are. It's it's hard not to get upset sometimes because, like I said, my favorite video is done not so poorly. Uh, but yeah, well, but uh, you know, like, I get if it. Hold
1: up, my it, right, and I totally understand it. Um, where like. If somebody stays, like YouTube does their job right, and somebody stays watching videos, they're gonna stay watching my videos if mm-hmm. they were watching mine. So, like, it helps both of us. It's like weird and dystopian and creepy, but it's not like hurting me. I so don't, yeah. it, it's I don't something think it's to a, like,
0: I, I really don't think it's as as nefarious as what it's made out to be sometimes. I think sometimes it's yeah. easy to be like, oh, big brother with these things. And I, you know, I go down these conspiracy rabbit holes all the time, but I really don't think right. their job over at Google and and Facebook and all these, they're not like trying to hurt you. They're trying to show you things that yeah. they think that you like. That's, that's what they're doing.
1: Yeah. And it's like the byproduct of that is the thing that we find weird or invasive. That's just them. They're not like trying to figure out all these things about you to then show you the right video. They're trying to show you the right video and that makes you think they've figured you out Mm -hmm. when really it's just pattern recognition. Right. (laughs) It's weird to think about.
0: I mean, I'm not saying they don't do creepy stuff with data. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying overall the goal is not as evil as what it's, it's easy to make it sound evil when I don't, I don't really think that's the intention. But who knows? I'm not right. Zucks. Maybe, it's a weird
1: thing to maybe Zuck yeah. is,
0: has got something else in mind. Who knows?
1: <laughs> He's watching us right now through our webcams, and
0: that reminds me of the the image of him uh, that was floating around for a while, where he had tape over his webcam. <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw that. <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> He's like sitting at a desk and he's like wait a minute Zuckerberg has tape over his webcam What does he know that we don't know <laughs> What's going on
1: He knows something yeah He knows
0: He knows. He's known for a long time So yeah. you know I see your pedal posts on Instagram all the time To shift back into gear stuff Right But I don't actually know what you play for guitars Most of the time What have you got over there
1: Right um, Just cause I've perfected the art of, like you have, taking a picture of something small in my hand. Mm -hmm. Taking a picture of a guitar is like totally different. I feel like every time I do, they look weird. Um, But I do have a, um, I've like totally restructured my guitars in the last year and a half. Um, I just got, like maybe a month ago, a built Revelator LS like the bare bones version, but it is, the builds have been like my dream guitars since I started seeing um, Chicago Music Exchange and Reverb post a bunch about them, like maybe three or four years ago. And they were always in like Reverb videos and they were all over Instagram. And I had never seen one in real life until I realized that, they have this thing on Instagram where they sell like one-offs that they do for themselves, I guess, to try different techniques, mm-hmm. and they sell them for dirt cheap. So I saw one pop up on Instagram for like a third or two thirds of what a regular built would go for, and it was like my dream configuration. It's like, well, I have to do it. This would be dumb <laughs> not to right and it's truly the perfect guitar
0: what's it uh, configured like
1: it is a um really really simple like their guitars can be pretty uh intricate this one is i like to think of it as the crossover between an sg and a jaguar it's a um a two nomadic bridge and Just uh, a humbucker in the bridge, a Seymour Duncan humbucker, and a Seymour Duncan humbucker-sized P90 in the neck, and that's it. Cool. Volume, tone, like no extra controls. I had an SG that I sold to buy this that I loved, but I just can't do the four-knob control scheme. It's clunky to how I play.
0: Like a two-knobber. Master volume, master tone. Yeah,
1: so, yeah, this is just master volume, master tone, and then the uh, pickup selector switch, and that's it. Is it a three-way? Yeah, a three-way. Sweet. Um, And so it's like the um, bridge pickup is a lot louder, so it's also like a quiet, medium, loud setting uh, on the switch, uh, and like dark, medium, bright. It's just set up so well where, like, there are layers to it that every other guitar I've owned doesn't have. Where it's just like the pickup selector switch on, like, my cheaper guitars is like, oh, this is the bridge sound or the next sound, and then kind of in between. This seems like you're progressing in one direction or the other, like they're blended together. That sounds
0: awesome. I'm gonna have to, you're gonna have to take some pictures of that thing. Gonna have to figure that out. Yeah,
1: I'll have to take a picture and and uh, and post that on Instagram so everybody can see how cool it looks. It kind of looks like an old uh, PV T sixty. Yeah, because it's like this like yellowish pine, yellowish stain on the pine body, and then it's an all black pick guard. So it has that PV look. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people who I've shown it to have said this is like a PV um, SG shaped like a Jaguar.
0: <laughs> that sounds really
1: cool <laughs> it's like the weirdest mix of things but I really really love it what
0: about the neck Is what? what's that made out of is it pine too
1: uh, I don't think it's pine but I don't know what it is Um, but it's like pretty like medium sized not too thick and the frets are like huge but smooth mm-hmm I I don't know a ton about guitars. Like I can talk about like all these details about pedals. Guitars are just like it sounds good and it plays good, and this is both.
0: <laughs> I'm kind of in that same boat. Like I've never measured a neck. Uh, you know, yeah. I don't think about profiles all that often. I just know if I pick one up and I like it or not, and that's basically right. it. <laughs> that's all I know about them.
1: it that scared me from buying so many guitars that I learned later that I would have loved because like the description will say like, Oh, it's a fat C neck. It's like, well, that sounds too big for me. I like a thin neck. And then I played a guitar with a fat C neck and I thought, Oh, this is just a comfortable neck. Mm -hmm. This isn't fat or shaped like a C.
0: Yeah. I mean, fat necks are where it's at for me. I mean, I have guitars of various sizes I started playing on a you know slim taper '60s style neck, which I still like. Yeah. I still like that thing. It's a, it makes me play different. It's a different thing. But man, I got this Carmine Street Jazzmaster in, and it has. I don't know. I don't even know how right. big it is. It's got the biggest neck I've ever messed with. It is giant, <laughs> and I can't stop playing it. So I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. That's what I, I have tiny hands.
1: Yeah, I have the opposite. I have giant hands and I th- thought I loved thin necks for so long because I could move faster. And then I bought this like mystery telly that I have. All I know about it is that it's made in Mexico and like the serial number. So I could figure out what year I just forget, mm-hmm. but it clearly was modded. So I know nothing else about it. Um, I bought that. And it has this gigantic, like, baseball bat neck. And I love that, too. And so I think I just like most guitars.
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of where I am, too. Like, <laughs> I'm not super into the wizard necks, the super flat, shreddy ones. I've never really liked those yeah. that well. I can play on them, but that's not my uh, It's not my most comfy. But, yeah, I, I've come to realize I'm kind of like you. It's like, I... I, I like lots of different things. I am a big neck guy. Like if I'm going to have a guitar made, I'm going to ask for it to have a bigger neck on it. But right. Uh, I, yeah, my, my Les Paul, my Les Paul special is definitely slim. And my seventies, uh Telecaster custom is not that big either. And I love both of those guitars. So I understand. I know, I know what you mean by all that.
1: Yeah. And it's nice to have the variety because um, I feel like I play different on different guitars. My third guitar is one of the Harmony Silhouette reissues. Oh, yeah. Those are and cool. And that's sort of in between. I, it's like the telly is like fat neck, single coils. The Harmony is like medium neck, uh, like the uh, smaller humbuckers with the gold foil. And so it's kind of like this weird in between. And then the built is somewhat. Thinner, but not super thin, and humbuckers, and I play all three totally different. Perfect. That's
0: that's me too. I I play every guitar I have just a little bit differently than than the one next to it, and I think that's the the reason yeah. that we are always
1: trying to get new ones or new to us right. ones anyway. It. I, I was talking with a friend of mine recently. Um, he had bought a new amp, and like completely got rid of, he sold all of his pedals. He sold everything. And he, and I was like, that's crazy. Why would you do that? And he said, well, when you get a new amp or a new guitar that like you really love, you can let it shape your whole rig. And so just start over. And I don't know if I would go that extreme, but it is interesting how like the bigger parts of the rig will totally change your setup. Or sometimes even the right pedal will totally change your setup. Um, and it's like a different tool rather than a different version of the same tool.
0: Yeah, I mean, it can... Yeah, changing one small piece can can be a complete game changer depending on what you're doing with it how you're set up in other places. That's what made me fall in love with pedals so much, you know, however many years ago that was. Because yeah. it was like, whoa, like, you plug a Big muffin. in, and you are not even playing the same instrument anymore hardly like it <laughs> right one small change you know and it's just changed it, if you were playing clean before and then you stomp on a big muff it's like nope now we have something else like it's yeah it's they're they they can just change your your sound so much for you know relatively little money compared to a new guitar or a new amp that's my thing with them
1: yeah i have to imagine a lot of people Um, who are now really into pedals had a similar thing as me where that was the only new gear I could afford. So that was just a way to change my setup, get inspired by something new without having to like sell my guitar and still spend money on a new one. Do you remember what your first pedal was? I do remember my first pedal was a uh, a Digitech hothead. I don't know what that is. Which is. What is that? It is the weirdest distortion or fuzz. Uh, I don't really understand what it's going for. Um, there are some cool sounds in it. Uh, maybe I should do a demo of it because it's a weird one that a lot of people haven't heard of. But it was 90s Digitech or maybe early 2000s. Um, and uh, I I must have gotten it in, like, 2003. Okay. Okay. And I went to Guitar Center to get a blues driver because that's what my guitar teacher had, and it sounded cool. And then the hothead is bright orange with flames on it. And I said, that one's cooler. I'm going to get it. And it sounds nothing like a blues driver. <laughs> It's blue. It has to.
0: It must be a, just like a blues driver,
1: right? <laughs> it's not even blue. I just thought it looked <laughs> even cooler, so it must sound even better.
0: That's I mean, that's good logic. I, well, if it looks cooler, it must yeah. be cooler.
1: Obviously. I mean I still use that logic. I I do too. As
0: much as I try to not. I've I've told people <laughs> right. before, like, if you give me two pedals with an identical circuit and I don't know it I'm 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 going to prefer whichever one aesthetically pleases me more I I about guarantee you I am right. not, I am not I'm not going to say I'm infallible with that I've listened to a lot of pedals and I I still think I could fall for that I think most people could
1: Yeah I think I could too um I know I have in the past at least with um Tube Screamers One band I was in, I had a TS808 and my bandmate had a TS9. And I now know those are like two resistors difference. Right. And mine was even an 808 reissue. So it's built on the TS9 circuit board. Right. (laughs) Like they're so similar. And like I legitimately thought they sounded different, mostly because they have different knobs. Right different boxes a little bit yeah
0: it's crazy i didn't realize so
1: easy to fall from that
0: i i didn't realize the the same thing about the tube screamers like i was talking to a couple guys and they're like no the the 808 reissue the ts9 uh, i can't remember basically all of the modern versions that are available have the same circuit board and just a few little little variants sometimes not even there is a, I can't remember which version it is, but it's literally exactly the same as the TS9. They just have it in a different box.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I was shocked when I opened mine up and saw that it was like the circuit board says TS9 on it. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, I'll have to send you a picture of mine. It is like the most beat up piece of gear you could ever see. Sweet. Um it doesn't have a bottom plate it's just made out of tape all right I've and seen that move like before all the knobs <laughs> yeah the knobs are broken like the pots are like so loose that they're like going crooked directions and it was given to me in high school and i could have sworn it was like a mojo vintage one and it was like my prized possession and um After a certain point, I stopped taking it on tour because I didn't want to break it. And it was already like getting close to that. And then I was talking to Carl from Electro Foods about it. And because I was telling him when I was fixing one of the pots that like just came totally loose, so like it didn't turn anymore, I was just trying to screw it back into the enclosure, which worked, but I snapped. The circuit board in the process. Oh, right. And it still works. It still works. I taped it back together. And it still <laughs> makes sound. Um, and I was telling him that, and he was shocked that I was able to tape it back together. I, I am guess because I didn't like fully snap it. It's like just cracked. Uh, but then he was asking, like, I was saying, oh, it's a like a older 808. And he was saying, well, like what year is it? You could check the date on the back of the um, on the back of the pots. It'll tell you the year from the code on there. And so I opened it up to see when I got home. And before I even got to the pots, I noticed the circuit board said like like two thousand five uh, TS nine revision B or something like that. And I was like, "Are you kidding me?" I thought this was like this total mojo. Thing and it's just a regular tube screamer that's ugly because somebody <laughs> destroyed it.
0: Hey, you know, mojo isn't in all in how it makes you feel, so if it makes yeah. you feel good, then it's got mojo. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise, right? That's funny. Yeah, you got to send me some pics of that. That's cr- I am very amazed that you're able to yeah. tape the circuit board back together. You must not have <laughs> cracked the traces.
1: Yeah, I think I broke it. And like the right way where either there's no trace or the trace was still intact because it was just cracked mm-hmm. and like the right the trace was on the like the right portion of the board so that it didn't actually move right um I knew nothing about pedals when I broke it, and I was just like I had like no money at the time that was when like I could buy a pedal a year. I'd like save up to get a new overdrive. And I was like, Oh my God, I hope this is okay. Like this is going to ruin me. This is my only overdrive. And thankfully it was fine. Awesome.
0: You know, we haven't talked about yet. And I guess we, some congratulations are in order is, uh, the yeah. garden. So you've sold oh, your second yeah, run of those you. with, with, uh, our buddy Alec from mask audio electronics. And uh, yeah, we for, just thanks for letting me do a demo um, of that, by the way. That's a
1: great pedal. Oh, th- thank you for doing the demo. Um, it was kind of a an uh, adventure for both me and Alec, where he had done like launches of pedals before, but never with that like whole lineup of uh, five demos or whatever. Um, and I had never, you know, with how many. Demos I've done for pedals on the day that they're announced. I had never been an actual part of releasing the pedal, and it was just like so exciting to have the first batch sell out, and then we just did the other one the other day, and that those sold out um, over the weekend as well. So we're just like so excited about that.
0: That is a uh, it's really cool, and yeah, Alec talked about the design when he came on. I don't know I don't right. know how it how, if you did it on purpose or not but somehow my melody maker just loves that pedal more than just about any dirt box it's ever plugged into. It, <laughs> I don't know what it is well, about it.
1: I am obsessed with melody makers so I think we did it on purpose. Okay, that works for me. Do you have a melody <laughs> maker? No, I don't. Um because I've never found the right one at the right price mm-hmm. um i've on, almost bought like newer ones or played um i was at uh, the music zoo which is like this really cool guitar store on long island and i picked up a melody maker and i was playing it and i was like this is perfect i need to buy this and then i looked at the price tag and i was like nah, i think i'm okay <laughs> um, a few a few thousand dollars out of my price range yeah so um no, I just think they look cool, and um, they sound cool too. But I think they look cooler.
0: I, uh, I this one is weird. It's a sixty-five, and I'm glad I got it a couple. Well, actually, not just a couple. Several years ago, now maybe like <laughs> six or seven years ago. I'm not exactly sure, but I got it when they were still fairly reasonable. It was like I think I paid like yeah eleven hundred for it or something. Not you know, not right. not too bad, especially because it's a one of the double pickup ones that are, are fairly uncommon. They're not totally out like yeah. unheard of, but they're not not nearly as common as the other one. And I'm really glad I got the double pickup one because that that weird lap steel pickup in the neck position is just so good. I don't know why people swap them out for. I mean, I love P90s. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know why. Right why people are hating on those melody maker pickups. I think they're so unique and so cool. Like, I don't know if you want a P90 guitar, get a P90 guitar. That's kind of my, my take on it.
1: But yeah, I think I'm like drawn to gear that has something really weird and like, like wrong about it where like, you know, maybe the guitar purist would say like, Oh, I need, you know, real pickups in this. It's like, well, but the really weird thing about these pickups makes it, incredible or like jazz masters got like so cool again because they're weird and wrong they're not like your typical guitar because they were designed to do something else and i i think that makes it even cooler because it's like overcoming this like non-traditional part of it
0: yeah i man i don't i don't know what it is about jazz masters in particular but they're just the most attractive looking guitars to me anymore. Every time I see a Jazzmaster, yeah. it doesn't matter if it's a Squire or some nice custom shop thing. I'm just like, man, I love the, I just love the shape of that guitar more and more as I get older. Yeah, I like it There's something about
1: the offset. There's something like special about it. I don't know why. Um, and I'm like so drawn to them. I feel like Jazzmasters are too big for me. Like a, they never feel right, but um, I have a Mustang that I don't really use anymore. I want to fix it up one day, but uh, I like I'm really into Mustangs and Jaguars and uh, obviously other offsets like the Built and Harmony. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure.
0: You know one thing we haven't really talked about, and I I don't know. I, I think I know a little bit of what you're into, but I don't know everything that you're into your music, you said you were toured for a little while and, uh, yeah. What did, what did you start listening to when you, you said in middle school, you got really into music. What, what was that?
1: Um, in middle school, the big thing was probably Weezer. Um, same. I had like a bunch of friends who were all really into Weezer and, um, between Weezer and green day and, um, whatever else, was going on then and also a little bit of the trails of new metal um some pod and uh corn and system of a down and then i guess like the end of middle school the beginning of high school the whole um like hot topic mall emo thing happened and uh i got really into that but like you know Fallout boy my chemical romance those kind of bands but then that was a step into getting into real or you know in quotations real emo right um because you know i could go on the internet and search like emo bands thinking i was going to find a band that sounded like my chemical romance and i found like mineral and braid and owls and like all these bands that like shocked 13 year old me (laughs) and I just got obsessed with it
0: that stuff is is something I I came back to later I didn't actually I would read about those bands in like alternative press or whatever um but the internet then wasn't like the internet now and so you couldn't just pull it up you know and so I started going back as I got older and I was like, whoa, I missed the boat on some of this. This is some good stuff. Yeah.
1: And I I mean, even then I had missed the boat, the boat on most of it. Um, I think there were only a handful of bands I was able to see um, who were like the end of that wave. Like I remember seeing Sparta uh, my freshman year in high school. Um and like some of those bands that were just like riding the end of the like real emo in quotations. Mm-hmm. Um I don't even know truly if I could have like replicated how I found it. Um I just remember there was this website forfa, I think is how you pronounce it. It was like F-O-U-R-F-A dot com. Okay, and it's this whole it's like somebody's like like early internet like kind of like a Geocities website, but slightly better and not on Geocities. Um, just like all about like they must have been some like elitist emo person because they even said like, you know those bands that I was just talking about were kind of emo, but not really. they're like kind of pushing it a little bit. Um, but it it just opened up all these doors to me um because i stumbled upon some random website who in their I must estimation. have googled oh. emo band sorry i i uh, yeah I, I must have just no sorry um uh, i must have just googled emo band and clicked on every link and found the one that had something totally different than what i was looking for
0: i was going to say who in their estimation so if those aren't "quote unquote" real emo, who in their estimation is real emo? Like, does "Rights of
1: Spring" the only one that yeah. counts for them? Basically, kind of. Um, I mean, we could do a whole other uh, episode on just what really is emo. Um, but f- for them, I actually went back and reread it because I had a similar conversation with uh, Taylor from Deep Space Devices, mm-hmm. and we were talking about like emo bands. And I mentioned the site and sent him the link, not having read it recently, like in the past 15 years. And he, he like sent me a screenshot of one portion that said, like, all the bands we were talking about aren't emo. I was like, Oh, I guess I should read this site again. Um, and yeah, it's like, like rights of spring moss icon, um, like all the bands I would call screamo. Um, this guy is saying like that's real emo like that's where emo evolved from and then um like what we think of as real emo uh or like Midwest emo or like the later emo bands that are a little bit more indie rock than emo Mm -hmm. and then such a weird scene don't get this guy started on uh on uh, my chemical romance I'm sure he would hate it (laughs) well he's wrong
0: and I'm very excited to go <laughs> right. see my Chem in Tacoma. Here. Oh, man. I'm so stoked.
1: <laughs> I did not get a ticket because of the weird surge pricing that Ticketmaster did. So the nosebleeds for me were $180. Oh, geez. And I thought, I've seen My Chemical Romance before. I think I'll be like, this hurts, but I think I'll be okay.
0: See, I have not. So that I... Yeah. Yeah. But and I mean,
1: my I, like really good friend that I was planning on going with had never seen them and he spent the 180 and is so excited. And I think that's great. But 180, it, it just hurt me. And I know it's Ticketmaster or Live Nation, not necessarily the band, but it was just like this moment where I was like, oh God, I guess uh, I'm not going to do this.
0: That is actually something worth talking about the the prices a lot of people like you know and they said the same thing with like rage against a machine it was like oh yeah. look at the prices you know and it's like guys people 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 the band doesn't have a hundred percent control over that <laughs> and some people right. said well why don't they just play non-ticket master venues and I'm I'm trying to think of who somebody tried to do that a major artist tried to do that yeah who was that
1: um, and I don't remember who the band was, but it was. I a remember like they couldn't. Was it Tool? They couldn't tour the whole US. Like it just doesn't work when you're at that level. Well,
0: I think was really it Tool sucks. back in the day? I feel like it might have been Tool. Like the you know it might have been in, in the earlier mid 2000s. Tried to do. I I could be making this up. Pearl Jam? I can't remember. Doesn't really matter. Somebody at that level tried to avoid Ticketmaster yeah. because of that. And, like, it was just like leaving whole batches of the country with no show, basically. And so, yeah,
1: because sometimes that's all you have to go to is a Ticketmaster venue. Uh, And I've, I grew up in Philly and now live in New York. So I've been lucky to have both Ticketmaster venues and non Ticketmaster venues, and maybe been a little bit spoiled on going to like, like five or ten dollar shows for some of my favorite bands. Mm-hmm. But that's usually not the case.
0: I mean, I understand though, because most of my favorite shows that I've seen were, you know, they were no more than like forty dollars at the most. That and Yeah. That's just I, how I don't the scene I'm in, I guess. If I
1: Yeah, I think it's also just like the luck of being into bands that are smaller, because I don't know if I've ever um, at least since, uh, middle school paid more than, um, $50 or maybe like, like I just bought tickets to see bright eyes. Um, they're playing in Queens this summer mm-hmm. and even that ticket at a stadium general admission ticket was 50 bucks with fees. Wow. And so maybe I'm just into the bands that are small enough, but I can't think of many shows that I've spent more than fifty dollars on.
0: Yeah, that's that probably does have something to do with it because those that My Chemical Romance tours, the whole tour sold out in six hours. It was crazy. Yeah, I unreal. I knew it was going to sell out. I didn't think it was going to sell out that fast. That's like bonkers.
1: Yeah. Well, they they became like a cult band beyond just like they are the band that stands for that entire movement and that entire genre. So it makes sense. Like I saw Fall Out Boy when they got back together Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, hate them if you do, I understand. But I really, really love Fall Out Boy. And like even those shows um, didn't sell out. They were playing the same venues. The tickets were like maybe 60 bucks. Um, I saw them three times on that tour and like had to save paychecks between buying the tickets. So, like, they didn't sell out for months if they did.
0: That is crazy. I would have thought they would have had a similar kind of trajectory, but apparently not. Of course, MyCam like developed, and I don't think Fallout Boy did this quite as much. Like, MyCam developed a following. Like they got bigger after they broke up or, well, went on hiatus.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think they're the only band that didn't really, that got big enough to be um, like something that people remember the genre by, but never put out an album that was like really, really bad or at least divisive. mm -hmm. Like all of their albums are considered great. It's true. And so, like Fall Out Boy, their last album was a totally, totally different thing. They just became a pop rock band. And I think they did it like perfectly then, not post reunion. uh, That's another story. Um, But they put out an album that turned off like half of their fans. So they weren't getting bigger as they broke up
0: what i found to be really interesting so there was a meme going around of you've probably seen it it was it's this it's a guy i remember this picture from when i was you know at from that era it was like 2000 whatever 3 or 4 or something and it's it's a guy like clearly in his 50s like doing the whole early 2000s emo kid thing
1: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> and it's yeah it said like the crowd at the Mike M show be like and it should have picture <laughs> this a picture of this guy and i was like that might be accurate because we are getting older uh, you know and yeah and then i that i was uh well frank came to town when he was doing the future violence thing and i brought him a box right. of pedals and uh he tried out the benson vincent which he ended up picking up uh, a benson vincent which is kind of insane to me but awesome. Uh, Yeah. But uh, he, uh, and he was helping me take stuff back to my car. And I looked and like, there was all these like young teenage girls. I mean, there were still like older people in the audience too, but I was surprised at how, how many, actually it wasn't, it wasn't all girls. It was, it was guys too. There was just young teenagers in the line, like waiting. And I was like, these are like the same age that I was when I got into this, this person's music this is kind of crazy i expected the crowd to be older and it wasn't it was like mostly teenagers and people my age i guess it was kind of a weird split but uh yeah i was they were taking pictures of of frank and i'm sure that i'm i'm on some emo girls instagram thing (laughs) somewhere
1: (laughs) right here's frank and some other guy that I don't know who he is, but he's standing next to Frank.
0: Exactly. He's carrying a box of <laughs> weird boxes and Frank's got an amp. <laughs> I don't know. But we definitely can tell that they're from Portland because look at, he's wearing a flannel and he has a weird beard. So that we can tell really where <laughs> they're at, at. that very least. All right, man. Well, we've been going uh, down the, the old emo trail for a while and we probably need to start to wrap this thing up. But first... Yeah. It's your chance to put up a billboard. What do you want to tell people? Where can they find you? Or do you have a, a message you
1: just need to share with the planet? Um, You can find me on Instagram. It's uh, at Ian Pritchard which I guess is in the title of this episode. That's probably the easiest way to figure out how to spell it. Or on YouTube, it's Collector Emitter. Um, if you search that, you'll get my demos and videos about how transistors work. Uh, so it's the ones that have the green screen background. Those are mine. Um, and that's pretty much it. That's everywhere I am. Right on. There you go. Okay. Oh, oh. And oh, wait, there's more. wait. I, I thought of one more thing. Uh, uh, you can look up my band. We're called Bot Garden. Uh, We have an EP out on Bandcamp or Spotify or anything like that. Right on. There we go.
0: Okay, here we go. Ian, what is your favorite boss
1: pedal? Uh, So I admittedly do not have experience with many boss pedals, which is kind of a shock to most people. But I do have a favorite. And it's the only vintage boss pedal I own, which is the BF2. Oh, man. Um, Nice. Yeah. I'm I'm a big flange guy. Uh, I've gotten really, really into it the last like two years. And at one point, I discovered that's like the um, uh, Cure chorus tone is actually the BF2. And I was like, well that seals the deal i need to get one mm-hmm. and if i'm gonna get one i might as well go all the way and get a uh, a made in japan bf2
0: and those i mean i don't know if i just got lucky but you can pick those up for not crazy money unlike like a vintage dm2 or something you can get a bf2 rubber right? screw for not not bad i don't remember what i paid for mine but it wasn't it wasn't through the roof, so I feel like it was like $120 or something like that, $150 maybe. I can't remember, but
1: yeah, they're attainable. I think I spent 150 or maybe $160, and I don't know if it's like the full uh, Mojo version because I don't know everything about Boss Pedals, but it's made in Japan. It was like readily available, and I got one that was a little bit more expensive because it was a little bit cleaner looking. Gotcha. and. I was like, well, it's worth the extra 20 bucks, but they're available for even cheaper than that. Mm -hmm. They definitely are.
0: Sometimes you can get them with the box. I was lucky to find one with the box still. Yeah. Not that I need a box, but,
1: you know. Yeah. I don't need a single more pedal box in my life. I have just piles of them.
0: Oh, so you're like me. I don't know what to do. You keep
1: the box for no reason, basically. (laughs) I think I'm going to recycle... a couple hundred boxes or not a couple hundred a hundred and so boxes because I have piles in my apartment it's just taking up my space and like shared space that my roommates use as well (laughs) and then I have like like maybe a hundred more at my parents house and they're gonna move and I just gotta do something with those boxes so
0: I don't know what it is. Uh, I like I keep them because I'm like, well, if I ever sell it, people like the box, and then it's like, how many petals yeah. have you sold? And I'm like, zero petals. That's how many petals I've sold. <laughs> <Right. pulled."> so <laughs> maybe this box thing needs to be reanalyzed a little bit. So yeah. All right, it's time to get controversial, and i you know yeah you, you, I'm ready. You mentioned you're you know you're from the East Coast. You're living in Brooklyn now. What is your favorite kind of pizza?
1: So I always liked to say, I keep it simple with pizza. I just like plain pizza. And that is true. But the two other kinds of pizza I eat are the weirdest pizza I've learned. So um, I usually eat plain Or like Sicilian or a grandma slice, which is like Sicilian, but the cheese is below the sauce. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a New York thing. Um, And always like New York slice thin, but not too thin. Um, Maybe a little garlicky. Uh, But then I like or really love baked ziti slices. What is that? Which is exactly what it sounds like. Okay. Oh, it (laughs) is. They take baked ziti, and they just put it right on top of the pizza. And it's the most delicious thing.
0: Well, okay. I'm going to have to try that, I guess. You mentioned... Yeah, I don't know. When you said plain pizza, what do you mean? Like just cheese? Just
1: cheese, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. I love a good cheese slice. And then... My even weirder one, which I recently got into because I live um, around the corner from Roberta's, which I know you know. Um, Love Roberta's. Um, So Roberta's has a pizza with honey and other things. The bee sting. And I always thought that sounds interesting. Yeah, the bee sting. But I don't want the other things because, you know, I like a cheese pizza. And then I ate at Roberta's and discovered I could just get the honey on it. So I thought, well, I'll give it a shot. It just sounds so interesting, I need to know. And it truly changed the way I view pizza. It was like unreal.
0: It sounds weird. I understand that it sounds very strange and maybe- It really does. And maybe you can offend some people, but I'm telling you that Mike's Hot Honey on a Roberta's Slice I personally really enjoyed the the beasting. I thought it was very 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 yeah. balanced in the way they they approached it. It's not like you're biting into like a peanut butter and honey sandwich. It's not it's not what it tastes like. It's a it's
1: a sweet the sweet right. salty thing. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of sweetness on top of the regular pizza taste. Yeah. It doesn't overtake it. No.
0: No, they just drizzle just a little bit on there and it's spicy honey too. So that that's
1: a little bit different. I love it. Well, so what I had was actually regular honey. Oh, really? I later found out that the bee sting is spicy honey. You might need but to give the full thing a
0: go- regular honey. You got to give the full thing a go. I'm telling you, man.
1: Yeah, I think now that I've uh, like taken one step in, I might as well just go all the way and get a bee sting. Yeah,
0: you'll 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 be very happy with yourself. You'll you'll I think you'll so. gain a new appreciation for Like, because my wife was really. Excited about it. and I don't know why. She was, like, on board as soon as she heard about it. And I'm like, I don't know about that. And we got it. And I was like, I know about that now. That's good.
1: That is good. It's so weird because it sounds wrong. It's one of those flavors that sounds wrong. And you say, I don't like that, but I want to have it. What if it is good? And then it is. Like, usually that instinct of that sounds wrong, but I want it means it's good. Mm-hmm. And in this case, that's right. Yes. Because it's amazing. Totally.
0: All right, man. Well, let's wrap this thing up. We'll put a bow on it so we can slide over for a little Patreon action. What do you say? Absolutely. All right. For Ian, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. If it makes you feel good, then it's got mojo. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. That was very fun. Very fun indeed. I know we talked a lot about emo on that episode. Because we're just both sad emo boys at the end of the day. Not really. We're not all that sad. As a matter of fact, most of the emo kids I knew weren't really all that sad either. I don't know what's up with all the sad stuff and emo. It's weird. Whatever. It's all good. You're into what you're into, I suppose. But yeah, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, don't forget there's more over on Patreon with Mr. Pritchard himself. And we talk for quite a bit longer about a lot more stuff including his day job at a little company called Vox. We forgot to get into that on the main episode, but we get into it on Patreon, and you can go over to patreon.com slash tonemob for that stuff if you're in a position to do so. Thank you very much for listening. I'll talk to you next week. Later, 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 later. One last thing before we totally sign off here, I just want to remind you,